Let's pray together the prayer for illumination, which is printed in the bulletin. Soften our hearts and open our minds as we turn again to your holy word. Amen. Today's scripture lesson is 1 Peter, verse, section 2, 1 through 5, and is found on page 206 of the Pew Bible. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church. Would you pray with me, please? Loving God, may your Holy Spirit rest upon us, opening our hearts and minds, and by your living word, make us into living stones. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. So last Sunday, Clover did a beautiful job of starting us on a, on a three-week sermon series that we're doing called Living Stones, based on that first Peter passage that Kate just read. After two years of renovation of this building, we wanted to think about the relationship between these stones and all of us as living stones between this house of prayer for all people and the spiritual house that we make together. And Clover focused last week on, on the community, all of us uh, as the spiritual house together. So today I want to reflect on our individual journeys, because without the individual journeys of becoming living stones, we cannot be a spiritual house. So if you've been around Montview for uh, long enough, you know that about 12 years ago, I began my own construction project in my backyard, and you can see some photos of that in progress on the bulletin cover. Um, so when we did this series on living stones, of course I had to pull the hermitage back out uh, for you. I had received a Lilly grant uh, back in 2010, which gave me some money um, to build a structure in my backyard, a place for prayer and uh, writing and reflection. I call it the hermitage. Uh, it has no electricity, uh, heat, plumbing. So basically, it's a, just a really expensive tough shed is what I built. 
Um, and I've mentioned it through the years in sermons, but there's something about it I've never shared with you is that when I first started to build it, I knew, I had this thought, and I felt this conviction that, oh, I need to build a hermitage on the inside while I'm building this hermitage on the outside, yeah? And, and so, um, as it took shape, and it, it, it took five years to build, I thought it would take the three months of my sabbatical, it took five years, God bless my wife, um, 12 tons of stone in our backyard for five years. As it took shape, I would um, reflect sometimes on how that inner hermitage was going, right? As it was growing, uh, was I growing closer to God? Was I becoming more open-hearted, more, more trusting, more patient? It's the same idea, I think, as this living stone that, that First Peter's talking about. This, this idea that we all have this world inside of us. And it, it's not enough to just show up to church on Sundays and, and do good deeds in the world if these things don't transform our hearts. If, if we're not changed on the inside, this world within us. So whatever projects that we are a part of out in the world, whatever projects you are a part of, I want to remind you that you have a construction project going on inside of you. And to help with that, I have uh, three lessons that I learned along the way uh, building my outer and inner hermitage, which, well, I guess the outer one's done. Of course, the inner one is never uh, fully done. But the first thing that I noticed from the start was that given the choice between working on the outer hermitage or the inner hermitage, I was far more likely to choose the outer. Right? If I had a few hours to, share, to spend on a Saturday, I would almost always choose mixing mortar, chipping away at that literal stone, then shaping my own heart with reflection and prayer. And I began to wonder why that was. Why was becoming a living stone uh, always something that could wait? We spend so much time building things, right, out there in the world, building, building our career, building relationships, building our families, building our resume. These are all really important things, and they take a lot of our time. Yeah. But as I sometimes remind you, we are not just human beings that occasionally have spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And whoever or whatever we are at our core, I believe that core existed before and will continue beyond these brief years of life. And so at least as important as what we build out there in the world is at the end of our lives what we have built in here. And so if that's true, then instead of focusing 90% of our attention on our work life and our family life and our social life and leaving only 10% for our spiritual life, maybe those percentages should be a little different. Why, I was asking myself, am I going to build this 12-ton 
stone sanctuary if when I'm done, the depth of my faith and the openness of my heart haven't changed a bit? Why would we remodel this beautiful space, this church, unless we are committed to using this space to, as Paul said, to transform, be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Why do any of us go to so much effort to be so successful out in the world but spend so little time on what we know in our heart is most important. So the first lesson was this challenge to my priorities that had me rethinking, reevaluating where I should be putting my time and energy. Now, as I continued to work on the hermitage, though, I realized that, okay, maybe these worlds, though, aren't so mutually exclusive. Sometimes I would be back there working on it, and uh, it was just, it was so peaceful, and I was so present to the stone that was right in front of me that I was working on, almost like a zen-like uh, experience. And I, so I realized that if, if I was working on the outer hermitage with enough uh, presence and, and, and a sense of gratitude and joy and patience with it, if I was really right there then I didn't have to go somewhere else to pray and meditate. It became a kind of meditation. It could be my spiritual practice. You know? And so I began to wonder if that's true, then why couldn't that be true of the rest of my life? What if we tried to see all of our life as spiritual practice? I mean, we would still go about our days as usual, getting the groceries, going to work, caring for family, but as much as we can, can we try to see every situation as an opportunity to work on our inner hermitage at the same time? Because everything really is this invitation to pay attention and to open our hearts to grow if we choose to see that what's going, that what we're doing is more than just what we're doing. Focusing on how we do what we do is the key to it. We have to become less committed to getting to a specific outcome, getting our way, more committed to the process and the relationships, the way we get there. But there are plenty of times when working on the hermitage was not a Zen-like experience. Some days it was just a slog. Some days I didn't know what to do. I was stuck. Some days nothing seemed to be going right. right? Just like our lives. You know, I would mix the mortar wrong and the stone wouldn't, you know, wouldn't hold the weight of the stone. I'd, I'd be, spend an hour chipping a little curve to it that on the last hit it would break in the wrong way just like our lives. And even though I rarely saw it in the moment, looking back, I believe those were often the most important times. Because just like in our lives, it's, it's the times of struggle and the times of suffering that we are opened in a particular way that we just don't tend to let ourselves open when things are going well. 
Or another way of saying this, I think, is that in times of struggle and pain, our weakness makes some room for God's presence in a different way. And I don't mean to make light of our pain, and I certainly don't mean to suggest that God gives us suffering in order to teach us things, not at all. But when we do suffer, it is true that we are cracked open in ways that allow the light in. We see things from a new perspective. We learn things about love and forgiveness, patience, that we would probably never be open to otherwise. Ask anyone who has experienced great suffering or illness or grief. Our times of struggle are also times when God's love is, is working in this mysterious way. I don't claim to fully understand it, but I have learned to trust that more and more. And I think it's what Paul means when he says, all things work together for good for those who love God. All things work together for good. Somehow God is turning all of our experiences, including our suffering and our heartbreaks, back toward the light. Even when the stone breaks wrong and you have to start over, nothing's wasted. So whether we are taking intentional time for prayer and reflection, or whether we're using our ordinary life experiences as spiritual practice, or even and especially when life feels too hard to even think about ourselves as spiritual beings, God, I think, is at work in all of that. It may be more true to say that God is actually building an inner hermitage within us, turning us a little more every day into living stones. So here is to your inner hermitage, to my inner hermitage, and the deep truth and the deep gratitude that even when we forget about them, God doesn't.